Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sia Latte Podcast. We talk all things simpler living, wellness, lifestyle, and everything in between. So grab your favorite latte or a cafe noir for this one and take a quick break with us. I'm your host, Pana. Break time begins now. Why are we so addicted to sugar? And I'm not talking about our obsession with candy bars or cookies. I'm talking about breads and cereals and energy and sports drinks. Things we don't think twice about, but pound it back by the pound, literally. We just throw what we know are toxic foods in our carts like programmed robots. Let's get into why we are programmed to crave such. In addition, we'll include a brief breakdown on how sugar is utilized in our bodies and the role of insulin, as well as some of the many hidden names for sugar. Ones we see all too often that even trick me. It's a bite-sized episode, so let's get crunching. Growing up, my family didn't consume many things that weren't whole or fresh. Soda and treats like candy or my personal fave, chips, were non-existent. Unless it was a special occasion, let alone anything processed like from a fast food restaurant. At the time, I felt deprived, but looking back, now I can say I am extremely grateful. So, thank you, Mom and Dad. Of course, when in college and away from home, I would see my peers grabbing coffee and a muffin for breakfast, pizza and soda for lunch, slumming sports drinks, and snacking on energy bars in between. And that's when my infatuation with fast and processed food began. There was a time I would eat all my meals out, mainly at fast food chains. Upon graduation, I noticed the weight gain. It started coming on faster than I could consume cheeseburgers, tacos, pizza, soda, and my all-time favorite drink of choice, good old-fashioned iced tea. And we're not talking the sweet tea variation either. But it was around that time I knew changes had to be made and fast. Don't get me wrong, I still enjoy a freshly brewed sweetened iced tea every once in a while, but knowing with heavier consumption comes grave danger. And so my journey to health and wellness began. I will continue on with my journey in this episode, but I wanted to give you some backstory on why this subject is something I take to heart and why it's necessary to create an episode on what some may deem as the enemy, sugar. Did you know sugar is more addictive than recreational drugs? First, let's better understand what exactly is an addiction. Well, according to one of my many trusty sources, Healthline, eating sugar releases opioids and dopamine in our bodies. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that plays a key part in the reward circuit associated with addictive behavior. When a certain behavior causes an excess of dopamine, you feel a pleasurable high that you are inclined to re-experience and you repeat the behavior until your brain adjusts to release less dopamine. The only way to feel the same high as before is to repeat the behavior in increasing amounts and frequency known as substance misuse. Substances like sugar. Here's some fun facts for you guys. Did you know the recommended daily sugar intake is 24 grams for women and 36 for most men? Knowing that, let's do a comparison with our neighbors up north and one across the pond. So, sugar consumption in Canada is 89 grams per day, 93 in the United Kingdom, and a whopping 128 grams in the United States, the highest in the world. Americans consume approximately 39 teaspoons of sugar per day without even knowing it. To put in perspective, flavored coffee drinks have as much as 25 teaspoons of sugar. Let's talk about this. Why is our government so lax in our food regulations, specifically in the sugar industry? 
Well, here in the U.S., it's pretty obvious that big food companies, i.e. those in the sugar industry, have tons of influence and monetary means to pay entities, including scientists, to fund studies that are in their best interest to mislead the public. Basically shifting the blame for obesity to bad diet through deceptive marketing. Thus, the fat-free movement of the 80s began. So, rarely do changes in regulations come without backlash from those who profit. Is money really the driving force in many of our movements here? Now, we can spend all day shifting blame or we can start taking responsibility for our own actions, myself included. First of all, let's take a look at how sugar is processed and how insulin and diabetes for some play a role in our bodies. So for those that don't know, once sugar is consumed through carbohydrates, whether simple or complex, it's broken down into its simplest form known as glucose. The hormone insulin is produced within our pancreas to aid in the absorption of glucose as our bodies can't on their own. In order for insulin to deliver such nutrients, our cells must be receptive. Diabetes occurs when your body is no longer able to effectively regulate blood sugar levels. This can happen when your pancreas stops producing insulin or when your cells become resistant to the insulin that is produced or both. Here's another stat for you. More than 88 million Americans have prediabetes, which is when your blood sugar levels are higher than normal, yet not high enough to be diagnosed as diabetes. Again, diabetes is a chronic disease that occurs because the body is unable to properly use or deliver blood sugar, the glucose in your bloodstream. Before we move on, let's get a better understanding of simple and complex carbohydrates, as it's really simple. Simple is everything that gives you the immediate burst of energy or sugar rush. Things like white bread, rice, cereal, potatoes, and flour. These are your high glycemic index foods because when consumed, your blood sugar spikes. And when too many calories enter the bloodstream rapidly, it can also stimulate addictive centers in the brain. A fast increase in blood sugar through consumption of simple carbs also causes a rapid increase in insulin. High insulin levels cause glucose levels to quickly fall, which can then cause you to feel hungry again, prompting you to take in more calories. Complex carbs are foods that have a high fiber content that's taking longer to digest and creates a slow rise in blood glucose levels, which is the preferred speed. Such foods include whole grains, starchy or green vegetables, beans, and lentils. So in general, sugar-containing foods in their natural form, whole fruit, for example, tend to be highly nutritious, nutrient-dense, high in fiber, and low in glycemic load. On the other hand, refined concentrated sugar consumed in large amounts rapidly increases blood glucose and insulin levels. Again, the risk for diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and other chronic illnesses. A rule of thumb, fiber is found in plant foods. So think of fiber as your carbs in such foods. Now that we understand that, let's talk why sugar is everywhere. I mean, can you blame us Americans for our poor food choices? I mean, sugar is in everything. So why is sugar in everything? Well, number one, flavor. During food processing, important nutrients and fiber are removed while sugar is added to make a food more palatable. Adding sugar to foods with high nutrient quality may increase the chance they are consumed. Hmm. Sugar is the most popular ingredient added to our foods, and believe it or not, the number one food additive. Number two, color, i.e. caramelization. Caramelization happens when sugar is heated to a certain temperature through the Mallard reaction, and is used in a wide variety of products including sauces and candies. Number three, bulk and texture. Again, 
Sugar affects multiple chemical reactions that form the texture of baked goods, ice cream, candies, and jams. Number four, fermentation. Fermentation is a process in which microorganisms in the absence of oxygen generate energy by oxidizing carbohydrates like sugar. Sugar aids in the fermentation of many common food and beverage products, including yogurt, sour cream, wine, beer, bread, and cheese. And lastly, the fifth reason why sugar is added in nearly everything, preservation. According to the website Science Daily, the hygroscopic nature of sugar plays a crucial role in reducing water activity in foods, which helps preserve and extend the shelf life of baked goods, for example. It also preserves the color of foods like jams and frozen fruits. You know the saying, you eat with your eyes. So, what should we look for when it comes to sugar, especially when at the grocery store, trying to make better food choices for what to feed our kids? A little exercise for you guys. If you're at home and have a moment, pick up any box, jar, or can from your cabinet or pantry and turn it over. On many labels, you'll notice the following. Total sugars, natural sugars, and added sugars. Total sugars include both added and natural sugars. Natural sugars are naturally occurring sugars, which are found in milk, lactose, and fruit, fructose. Added sugars are the ones you want to limit. The many hidden names for added sugars and the ones we see all too often are from the corn family, such as corn sweetener and high fructose corn syrup, which is a chemically produced sugar derived from cornstarch. We also commonly see fruit juice concentrates, malt sugar, molasses, syrup, brown and raw sugar, and agave nectar. Note, high fructose corn syrup is merely in everything, being cheaper for the food makers. In fact, the U.S. grows more corn than anyone else in the world, as our government also pays subsidies to farmers for their corn. As a result, high fructose corn syrup is actually cheaper than granulated sugar. So many products made with this ingredient are going to be more affordable than foods made with whole, natural ingredients. So the common denominator again being money. So if you've made it thus far, kudos to you, man. Is that still even a thing? But if you're still here, that's an accomplishment in itself. I wanted to touch on so many other elements relating to this complex subject, but I didn't want to overwhelm you or myself. I just wanted to touch the surface really and get you guys thinking on what you're consuming when it comes to sugar. Something innocent like an energy bar may not seem like such a bad thing until it becomes, well, a bad habit. We've already done a handful of episodes relating to food, so you know it's something we're pretty passionate about. All we ask is that you're more conscious of what you're consuming and you're already better off than most. Join us on Facebook as we'll be facilitating a discussion on sugar substitutes and artificial sweeteners, such as Splenda, Sweet and Low, Stevia, and Monk Fruit. It may get interesting, so you won't want to miss it. For updates, behind the scenes, life hacks, and more, including some related terms pertinent to this episode, Follow us on our socials at Cialatte2020 on Insta and Cialatte spelled C-Y-A Latte on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Cialatte Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together, feel free to share with a friend or leave us a quick review if you're an Apple listener. Again, I'm your host, Pana. You can check out my Instagram page for everything wellness and simpler living mixed in with some foodie pics and random adventures at My Son Maverick. Until next time, see you latte. latte.